uh, yeah, I guess we just had a commercial break, even on an interview here. <laughs> a little intermission. Yeah, yeah. So before my, my laptop disconnected, uh, we were talking about your albums and how unique they are individually. And you were kind of just going over how different songs speak to people in different ways using different types of music, I guess. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's definitely like uh, each genre of sound is just a paint on a palette. And it's like, why would you not paint your picture with all the colors available? That's just that's how I look at it. And like I said, my influences are so, you know, wide and vast that I, I do want to make a lot of different type of stuff, especially for my own creativity. I That's even why No More Hope was so exciting to me because it really did make me excited to make music again it was like kind of opened up a lot for me and and made me excited to experiment and you know investigate things i've gone through in a different way um but yeah with with all that i've kind of created this sci-fi backdrop with the moon 5-2 stuff that started with superhuman i kind of made a nine minute short film that connected that album to the album before it, my 2016 album, something to write home about and kind of um, played with the concepts in that in an interesting way. Um, And then I've kind of been able to build off of it since just, I love the idea of world building, um, whether it's through the music or the merch. I, I, people don't know, I've done everything from, you know, collectibles, so I just dropped a wallets. Um, we've done sneakers, jeans, hoodies. Um, so Moon 5-2 is kind of its own brand and kind of has its own life, but it's highly ingrained into the music and the story. Um, so I just have a lot of fun playing with that aspect of it. Um, and then at the end of the day, the albums kind of follow whatever I feel. And that, that's what I kind of want to be for people too. Like I know people will have times where like, oh, I feel this particular way, I'm going to throw on this artist. I like to create, whether I'm sad, whether I'm happy, whether I'm, you know, whatever. So every kind of emotion gets embedded in the music. And I feel like I'm an artist that people can go to for anything they're going through, or at least I hope I am. Um, Because that's just the way I create. You know, you feel some days and you're going to go in the studio and make a particular song, you feel another way another day and it's going to come out completely different at the end of the day it's still authentic it's exactly what i needed to encapsulate for myself um but it it, the way that tends to manifest itself varies Um, you know yeah talking about how they're so different i think one of your most unique albums that i go back to a lot and I think it's, I don't even know what genre I put it in, but can, can, I'm probably going to butcher the name. The Kintsugi album? Yeah, yeah, that's where, right. Where it goes down multiple, like, deep, dark holes, but also is very uplifting at the same time. And I'm kind of just curious what, like, I feel like I listened to Kintsugi later, Whereas, like, No More Hope for the Hopeless, I listened to, like, as it was coming out, and I felt like I was, like, there. So I'm kind of curious what kind of brought Kintsugi, and I think of, like, hyperventilating, and, like, all all this, a lot of the big songs on that album, like, even though they're so different from a lot of the stuff I listen to, I still listen to it today. 
and I'm just curious, like, I'm trying to think how to word this. So, like, was it, like, intended to be a certain way and then it changed? Or was it always the intention to have, like, both sides to it, I guess, if that makes sense? I guess with I've always had this focus on my music. I know there's a lot of artists who kind of make their listener feel seen by normalizing. And I, I don't like that most of the time because what it does is it goes a lot of artists will make songs where it goes oh you're in this deep depressing hole so am i um it's okay we'll stay here together like mm -hmm. and just for me that it doesn't really bring about any evolution or any you know um it doesn't take them anywhere for, for so for me when i'm writing there's songs like not alone where it's very apparent where i actually was really in a dark hole for the first verse and i wrote through that and by the time I got to the second verse, it's kind of a step back after, you know, digesting all of that and looking at the bright side of things. So I always try to, even if I bring people down low and with No More Hope, it was kind of different because there are these songs that remain low. But unless you listen to the full album and get to I've Done Okay, some of those mm -hmm. songs on their own do feel like, oh, super dark, depressing. We're in this hole together. But I do walk myself and the listener out of that hole by the end of the album. But that's what I normally try to do within individual songs. For No More Hope, I, I had to. I Because it came from such a dark and, you know, really painful experience and relationship that I had to outline that. that I, I had to bring you there. And some songs stayed there, but throughout the album, you have, I evolve and hopefully I make other people see that as well to find my way out of that hole and look at it you know, positively as a positive experience. But that's something I always try to do in my music is really, you know, if we're going to visit the deep, dark experiences or feelings that I've had or anyone else has felt, I want to try to walk myself and others out of it by the end of the song or the end of the album. Yeah, I really like, uh, I kind of already mentioned Crystallized, but I feel like every single guy ever can relate to that song everybody has dated crystal <laughs> in their own way and maybe not exactly to a t but everybody has had a crystal in their life and they need to listen to that song it's just so funny for me because it just works so well the wordplay on it yeah um, and it's i think people with some of the songs on their album they're like oh that's a fun story like that the, the with my stuff like if i'm gonna go that deep into a concept it's real it happens like yeah that's the one thing with my music that like i uh i had a story the other day that was like i'm not lying at all my my life has been so crazy i don't the highs the flexes the the problems i don't have to lie anymore i've i've been through it i i, I have a lot you know, even with, I've been in a really good relationship the last year and a half of my life, but if someone hits me for a feature, um, you know, yeah, I'm not always creating in the present. There's still, people know this, you can always, you know, dive into feelings or experiences you've had and pull creative juice out of that. Um, so there's sometimes there'd be a feature and I'll make this, I haven't gone through a breakup in a while, but I, you know, still have those experiences and scars on me where I can kind of dig that up for the purpose of the song but overall I do try to create from uh you know whatever I'm feeling in the moment whatever's presently going on there's a lot of people will be like why don't you do this again or do that again and you know even with some of the stuff like my first album something to write home about um 
there's a perspective in there that is that I can never replicate again because it lets something to write home about felt like I was on the yellow brick road walking the odds, you know, I'm going to get there. He's going to grant me my wishes and the music industry is going to be a dream and everything's going to be beautiful. And everything is, you see it through these rose colored glasses and then you get to Oz, you know, as you know, I started to have more success and you look behind the curtain and it's just an old white man pulling the strings on everything, which is a (laughs) massive metaphor for how the industry works. Um, And it's like, I I can't go back to that ignorant, magical, whimsical outlook on life and the industry I I pursued for so long. Once you look behind the curtain, I, I, you know, there's a lot of things that you get privy to and you understand about, you know, the actual reality of things. Um, And it's like, I think people love the older stuff and anyone will. It's very much nostalgia plays a heavy part. It's always, you know, nothing compares to when you hear something for the first time that changes your entire perspective. And, you know, I had that. That's where No More Hope was born from is, you know, that sound and those bands who really felt like mine and felt like they understood me. Um, But that's a big thing with the industry. I I think a lot of people, you know, they want you to completely backtrack what you've learned and, and you can't. Once you peek behind the curtain and find out he's not a magical man, he's just an old white man with some tricks on his up his sleeve, you know, like, I think it's an interesting, I don't know how we got on this tangent, but yeah. No, no, I, and I, um, and that kind of gets back to like going through the, like the different phases of music, but what I've found through this experience of interviewing artists, what I love so much and what I connect with so much, even though, the closest I ever got was like doing some open mics and I'm not good at anything musically. I just enjoy the the product of you guys' work. But what I love about it is I always feel like I'm someone that's never going to be content with a nine to five. Like I always want something more. I always want to be pushing myself in other ways. And I think it's so like to get to the point that you are at with like ATWW, like when that album came out and pushed up you up here and to this day, you're still finding ways to improve or change things and be different and continue to work on yourself in other ways. And you mentioned your clothing line that's constantly evolving from like the very roots of it five years ago to to now you're looking at some snow gear that could be potentially releasing in the future is awesome to see. <laughs> it's for me, I, I just enjoy, I, I think, the high I've always found from music is of course the therapy of working through things and discovering different perspectives and learning more about myself. Um, I love just bringing things to life. I, 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 you know, I I love the idea of something being planted in my head and then going, I'm going to do that. Like, like taking it from an idea that just, you know, it's nothing. You're, you're creating something out of nothing. Um, so that's why, whether it's the music, whether it's the merch, whether it's, you know, any other ventures I've gone on, um, I just love bringing things to life. And with the, the, one of my, my first dream, I grew up competing in like slope style and big mountain as a kid. And I wasn't the craziest. I wasn't the best, but I love it. it it's massively ingrained into who I am. And 
you know, that was always a long time dream of mine to like have my own snowboard ski company type thing. And so especially over the last two years, I've started to, I haven't really put out anything. I, I put out face masks um, a couple months ago that have been doing really well. Um, but that was my first like time I made something for that crowd. Um, but I've been developing a snowboard suit for the last two years. We've gone through like six different samples, three different factories. Um, we did skate decks for um, a giveaway for No More Hope for the Hopeless. Um, I've been working on gloves. I've been working on goggles. I'm really trying to enter that world um, just because from a design aspect, I love design. I love making stuff. Um, even my suit that I wore for No More Hope for the Hopeless, I completely designed that. That's my that's my print and stuff like what, that. What? Yeah. And, and I just love bringing things to life like that. And especially as I was like thinking about my evolution, I was like, I have to get into the ski snowboard world because I understand from a technical aspect what a rider needs, what, you know, tape zippers, 20K waterproofing, you know, insulation. Um, and then I, and there's a lot of companies that do that. But what I've noticed is there's a massive hole nowadays where it's very bland. It's, it's color blocking. It's white and black. And, you know, it, it's just not exciting to me. So what I've been trying to develop over the last two years is something that visually is very very much pops and feels alive and is almost like a piece of wearable art but at the same time has the technical aspects that any rider would expect from a high class company um so i'm trying to you know it, it's a very expensive venture especially to produce this stuff um so i'm just trying to you know figure out the best way to approach that but in the time being i'm just developing i'm trying to create the best stuff i can and uh, I really enjoy it. it. It's something for me that all of the apparel, the outerwear, all this stuff, it's kind of like a creative getaway for me. It's like I, I'm able to still be creative and collaborate like I do in music with, you know, illustrators and um, manufacturers and stuff like that. The same way I work with producers and designers for music. Um, but it's kind of this space for me where if I'm hitting a wall with music, I can go, okay, we're leaving this for the day. I'm going to go design something, mock some stuff up, mess around, um, get some quotes from manufacturers about some ideas. And, you know, I'm still being creative. I'm keeping my mind going and I'm staying in that, that process wise, but it's just allows me to pivot and uh, make me still feel productive. But, you know, sometimes you got to step away from your art instead of, I, I'm not, a, I don't force stuff. I, I really, especially these days, um, if I don't feel a song, I'll, I'll turn it down. Uh, I'm like, if I don't feel a beat, I'll go keep sending me stuff. I don't, you know, back in the day, it was like, I could take what I would take what I could get. It was like, Oh yeah, I'll, I'll do whatever I can with this. Um, but nowadays I, I do. I'm very thankful for the luxury that I can really create 100% out of feeling and being fully invested in all aspects of things. What? Um, I guess tips or just like general advice would you give this is selfish and personal, but um, so I'm starting to go out on, I, I have this kind of idea of doing like collabs with artists. And I, I just started making my first one where I want it to be clothing that has a message on it. So like the artist I clap, I'm clapping with for the first one, 
has a line where in his song 2017 where he says first to let you know that you belong in a world not meant for love um so that's going to be like the design for the t-shirt but as far as like really getting your merch out there and i want it to be something that's like a positive experience for him as well as like really like i want to make merch that like like the you i don't know if you know the guy who makes like you matter hoodies mm-hmm. and like stuff like that it's just like a positive message to put out yep. in the world but what what i guess what guidance do you have for someone who doesn't really know anything other than making like just like graphic tees previously <laughs> like <laughs> i think um from a production size i think it side to begin with i think it's really good to find good blanks that you mess with really good quality blanks um and then there's always in any city you can find local screen printers. And I think it's always good. I started out by working with local screen printers in um, Wyoming when I was first starting out. Um, nowadays, I, I kind of actually go straight to um, factories and stuff like that to do exactly what I want. But to start, I think it's important to build relationships with local screen printers. I think that goes a long way um, because the more you work with someone, the better deals you're going to get. You know, you can also fine tune in person your creations and stuff like that. Um, and then for something like that where it's message based, I think my approach to that would be um, seeing reaching out to people and that that you mess with and going, we're trying to push this. We'd love to send you one of these shirts. Maybe just do a little thing on your story about how you relate to the message personally. Just stuff like that where. You can kind of, when it's message-based, you want the community to kind of reflect that. And, you know, with each person shedding their perspective on it, a couple people will go, oh, I relate to that. I want to rock that. And then, you know, maybe you're giving out a couple for free, losing a bit of money. But the way I've always looked at it is, you know, not every transaction is direct. Even for me, like doing swaggy tracks, um i would let them upload it for free i wasn't getting a cut of that stuff early on um but in return i was getting eyes on my music so it was like was i getting a direct sale was was my personal youtube growing from that sometimes if if people were you know less lazy than hitting one click (laughs) um sometimes yes and it definitely helped out my personal youtube but a lot of that, you know, I wouldn't have my Spotify community without them having found me on Swaggy Tracks or FPM or Best Music for Cod, stuff like that, that whole era. Um, they wouldn't have found me on Spotify without that. So it's like, I think a lot of people get too caught up in the bottom line nowadays instead of the long play of, you know, even for me, I'm developing my hoodies right now. I only profit about... 2x what i pay for it so it's like because i'm making i'm not making thousands of units of these things i'm making hundreds so that makes the unit price pretty high to do high quality stuff interesting designs all that stuff but for me i'm like yeah i'm not making the most profit on this stuff right now but what i'm doing is putting the merchant people's hands the word is spreading by them wearing it and the higher quality it is the longer it's going to last for that person and the more they're going to wear it 
not only for others to ask questions and maybe a conversation starter and someone new finds the music or the merch, um, but also it's going to live that much longer in their closet. And they're going to look at it at some point. Maybe they haven't checked into my music on a year or so, and they see the hoodie or the T-shirt or the jeans or whatever, and they're going to go, oh, I wonder what he's up to. So it kind of, you know, where it's like I'm not making the most profit on this stuff, but the long play of it is the goal Um, because it's like as it gets bigger, I'll be able to keep my prices the same. But when I'm ordering thousands of a unit as opposed to 100, I can keep the price the same. And so they won't feel gypped, um, but I'll be able to profit more per unit. So it's it's like that long play of like taking, you know, taking the hits while they are coming, but knowing that they pan out, it'll pan out into a better future for, you know, what you're talking about with your t-shirts or my brand or my music overall. Um, but yeah, I guess that that's my, my, my advice for kind of the approach for that. Did you did you wait with going to the higher quality? Because I have noticed, like a lot of people, a lot of artists in general, and not to knock anyone's process, but a lot of people make cheap merch, put out cheap merch. When did you decide that you're like, I don't even want to call your stuff merch, really, because it's it's high quality. Like it's like a hoodie that even if you didn't know who Abstract is, you would wear the hoodie because it's cool and it's comfortable. Like yeah. you know what I mean? Like what made you? Like, when were you like, you know what, this isn't going to be merch. This is going to be more of like a clothing line that's like, I'm, I don't want to call it streetwear either. But like, you know what I mean? Like, it's something that you could just wear. Oh, yeah. And be like, oh, that's a dope hoodie. Like, yeah. <laughs> else, no. I think for me, that was a big thing, especially with the Moon 5-2 stuff, because I have so much more creative stuff I can do with Moon 5-2 as opposed to abstract. I know people love the abstract merch, but for me, it's like, uh, just throwing an abstract logo on or something feels uninspired. It, it just, but with Moon 5.2, I can do, you know, my prints and, you know, trying to see what else I got here. Um, oh, I'll show you. You should pull ones. out one of those little, uh, I don't even, I'm going to use the wrong terminology, but the little <laughs> figures, the figurines. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I got these two. So, yeah, like, even with, like, the No More Hope hoodies we created, there's this guy, uh, Tom the sign he's from Italy but I hit him up on Instagram because I loved his style he does like these kind of like doodles and stuff so I was like I'd love for you to make me an all-over print of that and then hide my track list inside of it so like even this you can see it on the neck I've done okay oh. crystallizes on there high again's on there so the track list is actually oh. hidden within it um so it's just fun stuff like that where I like to yeah. I'm a big fan of like I don't have, like, I have my cohesiveness of, like, the abstract logos and the branding. But what I do like to do is I'll actually brand based on albums. So each album, like, even for No More Hope, we created the Heart That um, logo. So it's just a massive, massive embroidered patch on the back. And it's because the album cover was so complex and, like, had so much detail. I was like, I went to my guy, Joseph. And um, I was like, we need to take that and kind of simplify it down into a symbol. Um, So that's really what I wanted to do just for a branding aspect of like, I think about that a lot. I'm a big fan of Bob Iger, um, Disney, and they, Disney is the best in the business of brand mining. 
because they'll have the TV show, they'll have the movie, then they'll have the merchandise around it. Um, Pokemon's the same way. You know, they make so much money off of cards and plushes and it like, and everything fuels itself. So like the TV show fuels the card purchases and the card purchases fuel the plush purchases. I love, I'm massively creative and I'm also a very eclectic person, but I also, I, I, I grew up with my mom being very creative and getting me into that world, putting me on piano and putting me into painting classes, drawing classes, clay classes. But my dad was much more business minded. So I grew up knowing that, yeah, I can be eclectic and weird and eclectic and weird and, you know, interesting with my art, but I have to monetize it. That was like, so I really enjoy, you know, branding. And even with this stuff, like taking the Moon 5-2 logo, turning it into a vinyl figure. Um, we got two different ones that I've dropped so far, but we're going to do more. And this is just a fun one too, because there's, it's a very, I love the Moon 5-2 logo. It kind of evolved over the years into this little alien um but it, it always was an alien it used to just be the five and the two analog though um but for me i was like all right this is a very flat easy to customize you can do a lot of different colorways i can put you know different graphics on top of them i can involve evolve it and people will have a bunch of them that are different versions eventually i want to do like a superhuman one i want to do a kintsugi one i want to do a back to the future inspired one you know this one is um inspired by michael jordan the bulls just kind of has that basketball feel to it um yeah. so i want to do more of that stuff so for me i think it's especially now with the streaming era and you don't really own music you can't really hold it i mean i still sell cds i'm gonna do vinyl soon um but it's fun to give people something that's malleable that they can actually feel that is a symbol of everything else um so that's why i just have a lot of fun with you know the music is me expressing my interior and others allowing to express them their interior but when it comes to the merch i give you something you can express yourself with your exterior so it's kind of both sides um yeah i i just like i said i just like creating at the end of the day and i'm one of those people where um, to get back to your original question about when I decided to go to high quality, I very briefly did like the Teespring stuff in like 2016, 2015, before I could really pay for stock and stuff like that. Um, but for me, I always, and I've always done this, I'm kind of a snob when it comes to quality. I, my parents give me crap all the time. I've always been like this. I, I do it all the way or not at all. I, I I don't like to cut corners. I know a lot of people who have a lot more money than me who, you know, they, they care about their bottom line over everything else. And, you know, I, I can't bring them on tour or else we're not going to make any more money. Like I'll, I'll give up not bringing lights with me on tour or something like that. You know, the bottom line has to be good. For me, I've always lived on the edge financially with my creative decisions because i i can't cut corners i know if i do something even with no more hope people are like you know these are kind of intense music videos to be dropping at a time where no one really cares about music videos and i was like well i i never get to do this again it, it, whatever it is right now i don't who cares if maybe it's not the best roi right now people will be able to come back to that and discover it forever 
So if I do it wrong, I can't go back and fix it later on. That's my legacy. That's what's out there. That's what exists and that's all. And so I get very caught up on that a lot. And there's a lot of times I'll lose a lot of money doing things because of that reason. And and maybe I'm just stubborn and maybe I'm just an idiot financially. But for me, for <laughs> me, I would rather do it as good as I can. Um, even with these, you know, I I make about 20 bucks a pop on these. I sell them for 52 bucks. And that most people would say that's insane. Like you should mark up to 100, 115. But I was like, wouldn't it be cool if they were all the Moon 5.2s, they're $52 each. Like there's 52 yeah. made of each. That's tight to me. And it's like, in my mind, I'm like, money, concept. I always, I always <laughs> will lean into the concept. I, I can't, I can't not, I have to. Um, and I think it's one of my most redeeming qualities and also one of my most hindering qualities. Uh, so it is what it is, but. What I can say is I'm, I'm very proud of everything I've ever made. Um, and that's enough for me to sleep at night, not being the most paid motherfucker in the world, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, and I think I was actually just going to ask about the album cover because that was something that stuck out a lot to me when I, like, first, you know, when I saw the reel, listened to Crystallize, and then looked at the album cover itself. You can tell that there was, like, a lot of time and effort put in this. You can look at this thing for an hour and find new little like things throughout the album cover. Oh, yeah. Were you from like day one? Like, yes, this is going to be a crazy album cover. Or was it kind of just like, Oh, I want this in there. I want this in there. <laughs> just became like, <laughs> I knew it was going to be, I wanted to kind of make it like a, almost like a 10 year celebration of everything that's gone on. So that's why you have, you know, the, my 2015 album, We Are the Artist version of me in there. And right home about 2016 with the ATWW hat. You got the Kintsugi version with the gold dripping on me and the statue, the superhuman version with the, you know, paint dripping. And then you have this album with the suit that I created for the album. Um, so I kind of wanted to, like you were saying earlier, that like it feels like each of these albums could have been from a they they're cohesive and they sound like me but they each could have come from a different version of me so that's why with the album i was like what if i put them all in a room together and then i have the heart and the vat where it's like this whole time you know all my music has revolved around trying to understand who i am in my heart and what it all means and who i'm supposed to be and who i'm supposed to evolve into and that was that's been the centerpiece from day one. So I was like, why shouldn't that be the centerpiece of the album? Um, so yeah, and there's a bunch of stuff in there. I got the Wyoming flag because I got a rep. I got my uh, my collab I did with Kendama USA, the abstract Kendama. I have my dog Luna in there. My mixing engineer, Craig, who's been with me since pretty much day one. My guitar in the background to symbolize the genre. Um, you know, I, I wanted to make... I wanted to make a scene, if you will. Um, but yeah, I'm very, very proud of that. The guy who worked on it, his name is Jack Kirby. Jack Kirby Crosby, not to be confused with the very famous comic book illustrator. Um, Shouts out to Jack Kirby, though. He's the freaking, the man, both of them. But this Jack Kirby, um, he actually does a lot of con um, illustration for video games and so I, I stumbled upon his work and I was just completely blown away by the detail. I, this is the way he works always. What he does is he creates 
a 3D modeled scape. Um, and then, you know, he went back and forth on me, like, which which angle do you want the, the cover at? And where do you want everyone positioned? All that stuff. And um, he actually creates a 3D environment and then paints on top of it digitally. So it's this wild, like everything's to scale. Like he asked, like if you actually look at that, I'm about, I'm just under six feet tall and everything's to scale. Luna's to scale. Um, all the, the characters, myself are to scale in there. So he's just incredible. Like he really, I fed him just a bunch of things I wanted, you know, peppered around the room. And um, he is really talented. We spent about three months going back and forth on that album cover. Um, and he really killed it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's awesome because you don't like you said. I mean, with a lot of this stuff, you don't see that. I think part of it is the switch to singles, but you don't see like the people aren't putting in the time and effort to have something that they want to look back at forever. And I think that's awesome that you still do. You still put in the time and effort to five years from now, people are still going to look at that album cover and be like, "This is still dope." Like you know, like you never know too. Like <laughs> it's not especially these days like uh what was it stranger things brought back that like 80s song and like what if she had just scooped yeah. on the album art and like didn't didn't care about it and you know maybe 30 years from now one of these songs you know or two years 30 years whatever it may be one of these songs pops off and it'll mm -hmm. be intriguing to people it, it'll bring that much more people in and it's like yeah did i pay a ridiculous amount for an album cover that I told people and they said, you're fucking kidding. Um, because no one does that these days. No one invests that much these days, but I do it because it's going to be there forever. I can't change it. What What is there is there and it will never, I, I can't go back and change it. So legacy wise, um, especially with this one too, I really, eventually I'll get to it. I really want to do vinyl uh, versions. So I was like, it, when this thing is blown up to like this, it's going to be incredible. I, I believe that the dimensions are like 8,000 by 8,000. So just the detail is incredible. Um, you can actually take the native file and like zoom all the way in and it loses no quality. It's wild. Um, but that's why I wanted to do something where it's like, yeah, I want to do vinyls where it's like blown up or posters or stuff like that. Um, and I don't know. I, I think it's, I wanted to also convey to people how deep I hope they investigate the music. That was a big thing for me. I was like, if I infer to them that the cover should be investigated, hopefully they look into the music with that same eye, you know, or with their ears, but with that same intent. Um, so that was kind of the driving force behind that. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. I think about, um, you're just talking about like going in, like, when you were talking about like spending so much money on music videos, it kind of reminds me of uh, even when like Eminem put out like more recent stuff and did music videos for it, whether it was phenomenal or like his space bound. I know that was like 2010, but even at that point, people had kind of gone away from putting money into music videos and like the special effects or he'll have like random guest appearances. And they're like, I don't know, you just have fun with it and do what you want to do. And as long as you're happy with it at the end of the day, that's, you know, I think if it blows up or doesn't blow up, if you're happy with it, I don't, I've come to realize that it doesn't matter as much. The success, I mean, the success of it is obviously a big part of it and it's obviously great when oh, things yeah. are successful. But being able to it and being like, I did what I wanted to do with this and I made what I was looking to create with this is 
Well, I think also for me, that's like a legacy thing of like, it's one of the reasons I never signed because there th- there's things I've done where I'm very aware where if I had approached, uh, you know, a label or, you know, a group, whatever, you know, they have like 12 people sitting there weighing in on your on your approach and, you know, they either sign off or they shelf you. Um, there's things like superhuman where they, no one would have allowed me to do that. Like, like even with no more hope, like you're a rapper, you're a singer. What are you doing making a pop punk album? Like there's just things where I have that freedom. And so I, for my own legacy, I utilize it as much as possible. Um, because I, I can't, and there's a lot of people who can't. So it's like, how am I going to stick out in the long run? What's going to be my legacy and how are people going to look at me? It, you're going to be able to look at everything and go, damn, he really did what he wanted to do. And, and I think, you know, whatever pitfalls that creates, that is what, you know, those chips lay, way, lay where they will. Um, but at the end of the day, I do want people to look at, you know, what I created and what my legacy was as, damn, he really did what he wanted to do every step of the way. Um, I think that's important to me, even for my own, you know, relationship with my art uh, and and making sure that I'm creatively satisfied because if I'm not, then what am I doing, you know? Yeah. What, what made you so aware of that with signing to labels back then because i mean i think over the last couple of years it's become like i think a lot more people understand and kind of know that if you sign a label like it could the, the negatives of signing to a label are more well known today than they used to be and what made you aware of that back then i guess because i know there's a lot of people that are really good that are in label contracts now and have been for eight you know ten years and because of a decision they made when they were younger and didn't really understand the full yeah aspect of it at yeah i mean especially these days it's harder than ever because labels will sign people for singles and then just stop caring about them if, especially with tiktok mm-hmm. which is the wild thing like we were talking about it's not it's not compounding it, it's a gamble every time you drop something or put out a video um so what i'm seeing more and more now is, is that it's actually worse than when i was coming out coming up when labels were labels were reaching out to me about 2016, 2017. That that's when people were trying to get feels for um and for those who don't know, a lot of what they do during that time is I was considered fresh on the scene. I you know, so they're gonna come in and try to lowball you as much as possible to see what you will settle for. That that is a lot of the game. And that's why especially, you know, you see artists getting artists who get you know, fast success within one to two years. And they're the ones that labels are coming after because they don't know, they don't know fully how much they should be making off of their streams. They don't really know what their income margin is off of merch. So a label can come in and play off their ignorance. That's a massive thing. Um, you know, they, they can give a ridiculous rate or something like that. And it's just accepted. But for someone like me, who's been doing this for 10 years, I know exactly what I'm owed what this costs, what that costs to do. I know what puff print on a hoodie costs. I know what embossment costs. I know what that, you know, it costs to make the metal plate to press that. I know what it costs to make a mold for a vinyl collectible. I, you know, I know what tickets, you know, I know what my stream should look like. You can't pull the wool over my eyes. I'm, I'm just at a point where you either come to me with 
exactly what I know I deserve and what I need creatively, or you're not going to hit me up. Um, but during that time, 2000, 2016, 2017, I was starting to get some real traction, and that's when people were reaching out. But what that entails many times, like I was saying, is lowball offers. How how much of an ROI can we get off of this person? Um, and for me, another thing is I I knew that a label would hate me because I am not a fan of doing the same thing over and over again. I, I know a lot of people who do that, and, you know, it, it's – you know, look at Tiger. There, there's a lot of Tigers, though. There's a lot of people like that, where, you know, <laughs> you make basically the same song every time, and it hits, and it works, and it's good for you. But for me, creatively, <laughs> I would just feel like, I don't know, that, that there's no expression in that. There's no evolution in that. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I just also like the idea of being not answering to anyone. Uh, and even with that... You know, I, I don't have a say in what Spotify does with my music, what, what, what radios they put me on, or if they should decide to put me on a playlist, or that's not up to me. If, if they should put, you know, give me an algorithmic push, that's not up to me. So that's one of the pitfalls I feel that everyone feels where, I don't know, I did get into music for the freedom of it, um, you know, being able to lead my own life and create the way I feel and, you know, make my, call my own shots. Um, but even then, it's like I'm still at the mercy of a couple of corporations, whether it's YouTube, Apple, Spotify. Um, so it's like I'd like to preserve as much freedom as I still have, you know. Um, and I think that's always been a big thing for me is just that ability to, you know, do what I want to the way I want to when I want to do it. Um, it it's not a, a it's not a problem with authority or something like that. It's really just comes down to. I need the final say on what I do. And I, I don't, I don't want to be the guy who makes the same song every time, no matter what that could do for me successfully. I, I just would find no, no joy in that, to be honest. Yeah. It, it honestly blows my mind that that strategy works because I mean, maybe it's because I like multiple types of stuff, but the fact that in 2022 Tyga can still put out a 2010 rap song and it can go crazy is I, I, I don't really understand like the or you know like all, there's a lot of these artists that put out the same song to a different beat and is the I don't understand what what the draw is for artistically or like from a listener when you're just like when I when I put on a song I don't want to know what's coming. I want I want to go on a journey with the song. I want to hear it. I want to have to listen. And I want it to tell me a story. I don't want to know the ending of the story before I play the song. I, I think <laughs> it's, sense. yeah, I mean, I'm the same way. And I think a lot of people are the same way. But I do think there's a, there's something about something being accept, expected and safe. Like where, they talk about it with with people who have anxiety where they'll re-watch friends they'll re-watch the office non-stop like that's they get home at night from work that's what they put on because it doesn't they've seen it so many times they know exactly what's coming there there's nothing that trigger their anxiety with a new experience or a new feeling or you know it's comfortable it, it's like mcdonald's it's like taco bell you're gonna go there and you're gonna get the same quesadilla the same burger that you always expect and it's safe, no curveballs, 
And there's something about that, especially post-pandemic, where, I don't know, a lot of people do, and I notice it even more now, is just like the discoverability of music. People really kind of love what they used to love, and it's safe, and they stick to it, and they listen to it over and over again. I can, you know, even my song, I'm Good, like, I'm Good gets the most streams out of anything else I have. Um, there's some people who probably listen to I'm Good on the regular who don't even check that I've dropped new music. But... <laughs> but they're listening because it's comfortable, it's expected, it eases their anxiety. It's the one thing in their life that they can control. And I understand that. I understand why that would be so prevalent. Personally, I'm the guy who's always seeking out new movies, new comic books, new books to read, new experiences. Um, you know, I even I love my sister, but my sister has explained this to me. Um, she can't watch The Office because she gets secondhand awkward and she can't take it. But she'll rewatch Harry Potter. She'll re reread the books over and over and over again. And she actually, she does this weird thing. I don't know if she still does it, but she'll read the end of a book. She's a big reader, but she'll read the end of the book first because she needs to know what happens so that her anxiety doesn't come into play about you know what goes on within the book. Um, and so I understand that approach of people and the way they consume media on a on a basis of it's comfortable and safe and is the one part of their life that doesn't feel like curveballs are being thrown at them nonstop. So I understand that point. Personally, I'm an adventurer when it comes to media. I, so I'm like you. I, I enjoy new experiences. I enjoy new sounds. Even with, you know, I'll have a circle of friends who they only listen to 90s rap. They only listen to Wu-Tang. They only listen, and I'll throw on something new, and they're like, oh, that's some crap, man. It's like a young, it's like good stuff, but it's new, and it's not. They don't know anything about it. They 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 have what they listen to and enjoy, and that's their box, and they live inside it. It makes them feel comfortable, and anything from the outside, I don't want it, and I I understand it. I I get it, um, but it's just not me. Yeah, yeah. I guess I guess what the new like wave of rap like young thug and stuff like that came out i was very much that way as well now that you bring it up because i was very like i'm not gonna listen to this this isn't music this is just making noises i was very much on that train so when you put it in that perspective i can i can kind of see you <laughs> i was like eminem is the best it's not changing but there, that's the thing for me is like i don't know i i feel that way too you have this gut reaction to things where you go whoa what is this shit i don't like this shit. but um Black actually has a really good song called Thug's Interlude. And he talks about how he just in such a dark, deep spot that he doesn't want to hear anything that's going to make him. So he's throwing on Young Thug. He's like, I want to just get lost in something, journey away. I don't want no introspective shit getting me to think about my feelings or what I'm going through. I'm just so down that I want to throw Young Thug on and just feel good, get lost in the melodies, whatever. I understand that there's a time and place for that, for sure. Um, but that's another one, of that that's that same thing. We were talking about the Tiger thing. It's comfortable. It, it's not, you know, it's not going to pry at your heart or your, you know, what you're feeling. You can just be feeling those things, but then go get, you know, it's that escapism of going and get, getting lost in that. So that that's the thing for me that I, I actually took some of that to the superhuman thing with the the Moon 5-2 storyline. I was like, yeah, we're going to get into some deep 
you know, explorations of myself and the human condition. But at the same time, let's put it on this fun backdrop where we play with multiverses and, you know, consciousness being stored in an AI and a, a, a ship that I'm on and stuff like that, where it's like kind of fun and escapist. But at the same time, it kind of volleys those sides of like escapism meets actual deep dive into introspective places. But then you can zoom out and have your, you know, comedic moments and stuff like that to keep it somewhat balanced. Um, but I don't know, there, there is something to escapist approach, whether that's with any medium. Um, you know, it, Logic talks about this um, a couple of times where he talks about like, I'm not trying to hear no rapidy rapidy in the club. Like, like if you're trying to have a vibe and like they have, you know, some Drake on or, you know, future on or stuff like that that's the vibe that feels good in the moment for that place but if i'm sitting at home and you know want to listen to something in my headphones in my own little space and you know investigate something experience dive into something yeah then you have you know nas and you know wu-tang and you know that type of stuff to sit there and really take the lyrics in but it's all about time and place and that's even for me is with my music it's like i want to make songs that you know, maybe you could put on no comparison while you're trying to turn up and feel, you know, a little more confident about yourself before you get ready for your night. Or you're really down about something and you go listen to 666. Like, I, I want to be able to, I want to be, you know, that pharmacist that people can come and, you know, whatever they need to be prescribed for their current situation, I want to have it, you know? Yeah, you... You mentioned 666, and I think that is the only raw, like, breakup song that I have gone to on multiple different occasions. Like, a lot of times you have a breakup, like, you break up with a girl, and you have that song that kind of, like, puts you in that place again, and then, like, you might go through something else later on, and it's something else. That is the only song that I have gone back to multiple times. I've been, like, this song still, like, still feels like this applies to this now. It is, like, because it's so... I think it's because it's so raw and deep and it's not a long song, but you feel like you go through the whole story in that short period yeah. of time. I mean, that's, I almost didn't put that on that album because I, I find that so far from removed from that. Um, I, I still, I have a hard time listening to it. My bad. I'm still getting over the sickness, good. but uh, I, I really, it's one of those I tell people, like, I'll never play it live. I, I find it incredibly hard to listen to. Um, mm -hmm. But I had friends around me when I was showing people, you know, early stuff for Kintsugi. And they were like, you have to put this on the album. Like, it, like there's no way you don't. And I realized that, like, you know, to go through the evolution of Kintsugi, I had to put it on the album. Because if you don't know the low, you don't understand the magnitude of the high and that's just the way it goes it, it, even with no more hope like people got mad at nashville and because they were like what is this dude you're making this song about you drinking all the time and da, 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 da. and i'm like this is a chapter you won't how do you understand my evolution if i don't show you this part of my life i'm sorry this happened <laughs> it's it's not it's yeah. not like I, <laughs> but it's part I of moved to Nashville and spent a lot of time with Jack Daniels and like after a, a really messed <laughs> up breakup. Like I don't know what to tell you, but if you don't know that part of the story, then songs like I've I've done okay or 
um, with love like that aren't going to hit as hard because you don't know the magnitude of the low to get to the understanding and evolution of the high. Um, so that's the same thing with 666. It, it had to be a part of the album or else the evolution wouldn't hit quite as hard. Um, holding myself back, I'd be holding back my truth. And it, why, what, what kind of artist does that make me if I do, you know? Yeah, I think writing that stuff has to be very, very difficult. And then you're putting it on display for everyone to see. And that I can't even imagine what that's like. <laughs> but it's like it's but when you're able to go to place it's very therapeutic. You create my bad. I'm cutting you off. Yeah. No, you're no, fine. It, it's very therapeutic during the creation, but then it's one of those things where there's some songs like that where it's like it lives here and it did its job. It got me to work through it and I never want to see it or hear it again. Like, like, <laughs> like it's just, it, sometimes it's stuff is made like that. Like, especially for me, uh, um, it's therapy every time I get in the studio, whatever I'm going through. Um, and it's like, for me, it served its purpose. You know, anyone else is going to listen to it as many times as they want or need. Um, but for me, there's some songs like that where it's like, it served its purpose. I got it out. I feel a bit, I definitely feel better that it exists somewhere else than here now. And, uh, but that's it. That's all I want to do with it. You know? Yeah. All right. For our last section, I've been kind of doing this new thing where I go through like a quick rapid fire. So first thing I do when I wake up coffee, my favorite color Red. is my favorite food. Oh, that's hard. Um, oof. I had to go with all time. Um, my Nona's bougie. Yeah. Oof. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I hate when people blank. Oh, I hate when people do a lot of things. Damn, what do I hate the most? Um, <laughs> I, I hate when people overcompensate that, that, I guess. Yeah. That's one of my biggest hates is like, just whether that's in someone's personality or the, what they do, or, you know, when, when you, when you meet someone and you know, you're not getting an authentic version of them, it, it's almost like there's a shell on them. That's one of my, cause I, I hate not being able to read people and I have ADHD. So I already struggle with reading people. So when someone does something that like I can obviously tell is putting on a front um, to mask something else, you know, especially, you know, I don't know that that's probably my biggest hate. I hate. Yeah. It makes it tough to connect. It makes it hard to have that human emotion with somebody. If they're oh, yeah. like, you feel like you can't be real and authentic. If, if you're put in a situation with someone you don't know how to respond. That's one of my, I hate that feeling. I absolutely hate it. Because it, it, I, I don't like confrontation. It's not like I'm going to call someone out in the moment about it. Um, so I hit this rock in a hard place where I'm like, I don't know how to respond, but also I hate confrontation. So I don't know how to freaking say to you what the fuck is going on. <laughs> so it's just this very <laughs> awkward space to be in. And it's like, we didn't have to be here if you were just freaking authentic. Um, that's, that's yeah. I'd, I'd say that's one of my least favorite things. Yeah. And if I could work with anybody, Billy Joel. Billy Joel. Oh yeah, that'd be sick. Oh, yeah. 
the god, the legend. And last one, if I wasn't making music, I would be... Oh. Probably dead, to be honest. <laughs> but... <laughs> the honest truth of an artist right there. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I guess... I guess I'd just be doing Moon 5-2 full-time. I, I, I mean, not that I don't already pretty much do it full-time in conjunction, but um, I would definitely mm -hmm. be, you know, pro I'd probably have a couple different brands at that point serving different avenues. I, I would I would always be creating in some facet. That's just on my, my human volition level what I think I'm supposed to do with my time here on Earth. Um, so whatever it is, I'd, I'd be creating something yeah well thank you seriously so much this is so awesome for me as a listener for six years to get to connect with you and learn more about you and have you on here it means the world to me and i'm i'm really hoping that more people get to discover your music because of this and they get to find some new songs that they love and get to check out your merch and and working with me through the technical difficulties it's all good <laughs> no i appreciate you having me it's always a pleasure to have these kind of talks especially with an authentic person like yourself. Um, no, it just feels really good to, you know, have good conversations about this stuff. Um, sometimes I'll do podcasts where it's just, you're, you're like prying through it to try to like get a different, get, get, get some interesting questions. But I really felt like, you know, yeah. I enjoyed divulging and, you know, diving into all this. So I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. That means a lot. I, uh, I'm trying to get better and better with it, but it's a it's a interview by interview basis. But I am actually getting to the point where I'm like, okay, this isn't so bad anymore. Like I I don't come in with like set questions. I try to like make it as authentic as it can be, so that it's engaging and it feels like a conversation more than an interview. That's my goal with this. Oh yeah, so. that comfortability. I think that just with anything, with any endeavor, it's just the repetition of it, getting more comfortable, and you'll continue to get more comfortable. But you're doing awesome. You killed it. This is great thank you i really appreciate that thanks so much for joining me i really it means a lot all love my friend all love and thank uh, anyone who's watching i hope you check out everything check out this man because he is a goat um but yeah thank you all for tuning in all right you have a great rest of your day it was great to meet you great to meet you too my friend later later <laughs>